I've, I feel really passionate about life and I think it's the best time to be alive. And more than ever, I think that you can really do anything you want. So I've convinced myself of that and I, I now tell myself like, if I don't achieve all my goals, then I'm doing something wrong because I have everything I need. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of The Bit Between. Today we have Vincent KDB with us. How's it going, man? Well, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so Vincent, before we kind of get into stuff, do you mind giving a quick introduction and telling people a bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'm a business student, second year, um, living in Vancouver now. Just moved in my new dorm. Let me close this door quickly. Um, I'm also into clothing design. I run a clothing brand with my brother, Sneeko. We want quality clothing. Been doing it for a year. Um, it's been great. Finally making good money off that, which I'm happy about. Um, uh, I also, I have a lot of other dreams. I have a lot of weird ass goals that I've been thinking about recently. I think in the last six months, I, um, I kind of changed my whole perspective on life and what I want to achieve, what I want to look back at when I'm 50 years old. So yeah, just working on that, making sure that I can actually stick to it. Nice, nice. So before we kind of get into that stuff, um, tell me what it was like growing up in uh, in the US because you have a Haitian dad and a Filipino mom. Um, so I'm guessing there's not that many people out there who are like you. What was it like growing up in the US oh, like that? Um, yeah, being mixed race, you're kind of like stuck in, in two worlds. It's not, I didn't really feel like I was in like the Asian group. I didn't really feel like I could stick in with Haitians. There weren't many Haitians that I knew where I lived. And especially being in New England, it's at least uh, the people that I was around, it was very, very white, very upper class. I didn't really fit in. Um, I don't think it was something bad necessarily, though. I think it's fine being around people that you aren't like. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was, it was an unusual experience for someone. Like me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in um, from like the age of nine. I moved to like a predominantly white area. And there was nobody like me. I'm Pakistani. There's nobody like me around me. So I was kind of just isolated with just just me and my, my sister. Um, like with the school that I went to, there was only like one other person who was non-white and that was it. Um, so did you did you feel sort of alone? Did you Because you didn't fit into either the Haitian or the Filipino groups or how was it? No, nah, I, I didn't really feel alone. I, I guess I just didn't think about race that much as a kid. Um, my friends tended to be black for the most part ever since um, I was young. But it, race didn't really affect me in any way, or I didn't think about race as a young kid. It's only like once I got to age 12, 13, that I realized that I was different, that um, how all my experiences in life have, have been affected by my skin color. Yeah. Like, in what ways? In what ways? Everything, really. The way your teachers treat you, the way that strangers treat you, um, it changes your whole life. I remember... Um, I remember I was a little ashamed of being Asian when I was younger. Um, and I think that just had to do with being in this predominantly white school. Like there weren't many people like me. And I think that especially how the media treated Asians, it wasn't something that you wanted to be proud of. It was only that once I got older, I learned to be proud of who I was and proud of my skin color. Yeah. I mean, when, when I used to try and tell people that people treat me differently because I'm brown, like they're... They wouldn't believe me. Like I'd say I'd go into shops sometimes and people just stare at me or like old people just can't take their eyes off me and stuff. And have, do, do you do you get that sort of stuff? Yeah, I get that all the time. I especially got it when I was on that road trip being in the South. A lot of yeah. stares. Um, I used to think that the stares were, were something negative, something that 
like they were looking down on me but maybe they just haven't seen someone like me and that's what I'm yeah I've, I've learned to accept it i don't see anything wrong with it anymore mm, it's, it's it's annoying though because you can always feel them eyes on you mm -hmm. like you can yeah, i guess it can be annoying them. but um i think i do the same thing i think I, if i see someone that i haven't if yeah if i see if I see someone with a skin color that I usually don't see, I'm going to look at them a bit more. I'm not looking down on them. I'm just, maybe I'm a bit curious. So mm -hmm. yeah, I've just learned to accept that maybe they're just curious and that they don't mean any harm. Mm -hmm. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So when you were around about 12, 13, that's when your brother's YouTube uh, journey kind of started setting off. And then from there, it kind of exploded. Do you mind telling me uh, your perspective on, on how, it kind of grew. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say it exploded right away. It took him, I think, like five, six yeah. years until yeah. he really got some traction on YouTube. But uh, I didn't. I didn't think much of it. I, I enjoyed what he made. I helped. We would try and like get good Call of Duty gameplays all the time. Um, uh, I'd give him advice on videos, especially his series Internet Rant. We'd work on that together. Um, but it, it was cool just having an outside perspective of someone that really wanted to make videos and had a passion for it. Yeah. It was never something that was forced. He didn't go into it thinking like, okay, I'm going to build a career off this. I'm going to make money. It was just a hobby. Um, so it, it was always fun seeing what he was doing. Yeah. One thing I found really funny, I was watching one of your old Q&As today, actually, um, mm -hmm. where I think it was like, it's like five or six years old and you actually have, you're younger than Sneaker and you have a deeper voice than he does in that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think I got that from my dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you eventually started Quality Dot Clothing uh, with your brother. Um, yep. Do you want to tell me a little bit about kind of the vision behind it, um, and then how it's kind of developed over the last year or so? Yeah. So I've always wanted to be an inventor. I wanted to create things ever since I was young. Um, and I think that kind of ties in well with clothing design. I like making clothes that have never been made before, something that's completely from my vision. Um, and when my brother started to pop off a bit more, it was kind of a mutual thing. He said, I want to make clothes. Um, you can help me out with this. Let's do it. Yeah, it was a pretty simple process. Um, and in terms of the vision, we knew that we needed to have something that resonated with his audience. We needed to have something to pull them in. And that's uh, the word quality. That's pretty much all it is. We thought that um, he always tried making his videos quality. If it wasn't something that he didn't think was quality, he wasn't going to post it. Um, so we kind of tied that same mindset into the clothing and it's been going well. It, it took us about a year to really get on our feet, make sure that we knew what we were doing. And with, with any start of business, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. Um, but that's just part of the process. And I think that we're really on a good track now in terms of, in terms of our vision, mm -hmm. and every, every collection that we release, we're, we're most proudest of. Yeah. So you said you're on track with the, the vision. Is the vision sustainable clothing? Is it, you know, cool designs? What What is this vision that you're kind of working towards? Yeah, well, I guess I'll be totally honest. We, we had um, the idea of being a sustainable brand at the start, being fully eco-friendly. And, and when we did that, we went in with this mindset that everything needs to be perfect. We need to be the, the front runners and eco-friendliness. We need to donate for this yeah. collection. We need to have the best... Uh, or most sustainable product for this. And I think it, it kind of dominated our, our vision. It didn't really um, 
allow us to be creative in the ways that we wanted to. So we're, we're still a sustainable brand. We still use eco-friendly products, but I guess we just put a little bit less emphasis on that. Okay. And that's because we care more about quality over quantity rather than being an eco-friendly brand. Um, so we're definitely going to stick with, with trying to do our part, but we're not trying to be the front runners with um, sustainable fashion anymore. Right, and we're so just trying to stick to quality over quantity. Whenever we feel like we're getting lost in something or things are getting too complicated, we go back to that, those simple three words that help us stay on track. You see, it's difficult. This, this whole thing uh, to do with quality and quantity, it's, I've, I've really struggled with it because um, I used to what I, I went through a phase of binging your brother's videos and he has that kind of, not slogan, but um, that, that idea of quality over quantity ingrained into everything that he does. Um, and he even has a video titled that, I'm pretty sure. But the more I've decided, the more I've tried to make more quantity, the the more progress I've found, and the more uh, the more I've been able to push the boundaries and get rid of perfectionism. What do you think about that? Because I saw this rule called like the seventy percent rule, where you try and make something till it's around about seventy percent as good as it's going to be, because most people aren't going to notice that extra thirty percent, basically. Um, and so I kind of tried that out for a while and I realized that like, I wasted a lot of time trying to perfect that, that last 10, 20% when really most people weren't going to realize like that stuff wasn't perfect. So what's your sort of take on, on that perspective? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people do get caught in perfectionism. Um, I think I do the same sometimes like when I'm trying to have the perfect design. Sometimes I need to take a step back and think, is this something that I'm proud of already? Do I really need to be trying to get it inch perfect? Um, so I, I still I still stick by quality over quantity, but I don't want to get caught in perfectionism, like you said. Um, I guess what I, what I think about is, would I buy this myself? Would I buy this piece of clothing? And I think the same goes for my brother. Would this be a video that I would enjoy, I would enjoy watching on the internet? Um, so I think that's a good way to, to put things in perspective. If it's good enough for um for you as, as someone that would be part of the audience and i think it's good to to put out so essentially just make things that you would like to consume exactly yeah hmm. the problem with that is like with youtube at least and and clothing not everybody's gonna want to see or have what you want so you have what I'm trying yeah, to say is, everyone, but you're, I guess you're not trying to appeal to everyone, but the people that would like what you would like are the people that you should be trying to reach out to the most. Hmm. I mean, how do you find them though? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I'm trying to get on my YouTube videos and I'm trying to pump out like a decent amount of content. But at the moment I have a very broad audience. I have like people from my village who are old, old age pensioners. I have uh, people from my school who used to follow me, people from university and like, it's very broad. And then I just have random people from YouTube recommendations. Like, how do I, how do I find that niche? How do I find them people who are going to want to see what I'm trying to make? Um, maybe if your channel is broad, you could like try to focus more on, on one subject that you would like the most. Maybe pick the video that you like the most that you've made and try to replicate that or at least make it better. Um, and that's the beauty of the YouTube algorithm. If it's something that people would enjoy, then it might show up. You might get some clicks. It all takes time. Hmm. And 
at the same time, who, who am I to say? I, I don't have any subscribers. I don't make videos. But I, as a as someone that watches YouTube, I think that the algorithm works in your favor if you make good videos. Why Why haven't you made your own channel or your own videos? Because you've edited a, a, de a few of your brother's videos. So you've clearly got the, the talent to be able to, not talent, I don't, I don't like using that word, the skill to be able yep. to, to do it. So why not kind of go down your own route with that? Well, I won't lie. I've, I've tried a few times, but it goes back to the model of what I want to watch this. Sometimes when I finish making, I've probably made like five videos that I thought about posting to YouTube. But when I look back at it, I get bored after like a minute or two <laughs> that I'm proud of. So I just thought, okay, maybe this isn't the track that I want to go down. I have a lot of passions um, and a lot of them take time. So I, I kind of thought yeah, maybe YouTube isn't the path that I want to go down. Maybe I can just explore the other things that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm not um, saying that I'll never be a YouTuber, but for the time being, vid making videos and putting them on the internet isn't something that I want to try. That's fair. That's fair. If you don't mind me asking, like, what were the videos on? What were they about? Yeah. Uh, most recently, I made a video on Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's someone that's really inspired me. I'm on this mission to be the biggest bodybuilder in the world. I want to be bigger than Arnold. So um, I, made, I made a list of like five things of like f five ways Arnold's got to be the biggest man in the world and how you can apply that to your own life w with bodybuilding or with any anything that you're trying to pursue. So let me, hold up. You're trying to be the biggest bodybuilder in the world. That's right. Damn. Or the goal that I set for myself is I want to be bigger than Arnold. That's big. That's big. <laughs> I, I have a lot of ways to go, but setting these crazy goals, um, that's what helps me get started. Um, like in the last year, I've gotten a lot bigger. I've reached my target of gaining 20 pounds. Um, and that's just solely due to the fact that I said, I want to be bigger than Arnold. So every time I'm in the, I'm in the gym, I'm thinking, okay, I know where I need to get to. I have a lot of work to do, so let's get to it. If I, if I think too small scale, like, okay, let me try to gain 10 pounds in the next year. It's hard to, to think of that long-term vision. Is it that you actually want to be bigger than Arnold or is it just that the goal of trying to become as big as Arnold gives you a big enough like, kind of thing mm -hmm. to shoot for so that you are guaranteeing that you get somewhere? I, I think it's a bit of both. Um, right. I think it's, it's helping me get to where I want, but I've said it so many times that I've almost convinced myself that I do want to be bigger than Arnold. Um, I also had this, I, I'm a big fan of visualization. So it's a bit embarrassing, but I, I photoshopped a picture of my head on Arnold's body. And I, I looked at it, I was like, whoa, this dude looks fucking good. I want to get to that point. So, yeah, I won't lie. I did the same thing, but with, um, you know, Jason Momoa? Yep. I, yeah. A young Jason Momoa, I photoshopped my head onto his body. And uh, I looked really hot, but unfortunately it didn't, uh, didn't spur me on. What other sort of passions and interests do you have then that you were talking about pursuing? Um, yeah, th these last six months I've been thinking, uh, kind of just rethinking about what I want to achieve. And when I was struggling to think of the, the goals that I really wanted to reach, I went back to my, my eight-year-old self and I thought, what did eight-year-old Vincent want to achieve the most? And I remember a lot about like shooting Nerf guns, pretending <laughs> I'm like jumping away from explosions. Um, and I kind of realized, hey, maybe I want to be an action movie star. Sounds fucking weird, but I thought, let's see what I can do. So I'm starting to take acting classes, reading books. I'll see where it goes. But yeah, I want to I 
try being an action movie star. That's one of my goals. The next Vin Diesel or The Rock. Exactly. Damn. Or Arnold. Yeah. Yeah, actually, and Arnold. Wow. Mm-hmm. How did I not think of that? <laughs> um, I was I was rewatching the Q and A that you did with your brother, um, and it was probably around about six seven months ago, which is quite quite good because you seem to have kind of uh, got a new focus on on these these goals that you're you're talking about. On and it, and in that you said that you want to find something that you're really passionate about and make that. Um, m- it was a. Oh, you said you said you want to make a lot, make a living doing the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. Have you got any closer to finding that thing yet? Yeah, for sure. Um, I love creating. That's that's at the end of the day, that's what I love doing. So I think um, running a clothing brand that ties in perfectly with what I want to do. I love working on that clothing brand. I love just getting a notebook and putting down any idea that I have, and then translating that into a product. That's my favorite thing in the world. And I think that I can get that same sort of feeling with acting as well. I would love to work on big productions and work with the team. Everybody's working towards the same goal to make this awesome video. That is something that really, that's what gets me out out of bed in the morning. Um, I look forward to every single day. There's not one day where I want to stay in bed and feel like a bum anymore. I used to have that feeling. Maybe you call it depression. I don't know. But I feel really passionate about life. And I think it's the best time to be alive. I'm really really confident about that now so I, I have a completely different outlook on life i feel really positive about what we're able to do and more than ever i think that you can really do anything you want if you want to be a billionaire you can do it anybody can um so i've convinced myself of that and i i now tell myself like if i don't achieve all my goals then i'm doing something wrong because i have everything i need that's uh that's powerful <laughs> thank you thank you um but you you said like at the beginning uh, just before we we started recording that you wanted you were you were considering dropping out of college um you go to business school right and yeah. um you said that it helps you keep structure in your day it helps you have have something to kind of go off if you're i don't mean to sound be like offensive or come at you but if you're so motivated and you have all this passion then how come you can't like do you see what I'm trying to get you? How come you haven't got this structure and regime without needing college? Well, I think while I am very motivated, at the same time I'm lazy. <laughs> For example, I wanted to be I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to get into acting. So I would watch YouTube videos of interviews with actors and think like, oh yeah, I'm doing work. I'm I'm getting to my goal. When really it wasn't as productive as I as I wanted to be. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I just think having structure helps with, with, with anything really. So, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm still very happy to start every day. But I think I, I can be more productive, and this will help me with everything. Hmm. I mean, I was, uh, I was listening to the the, the pull out podcast you did with Steezy and uh, yeah. Phil, and you had a massive discussion about whether college is worth it or not, and. Part of me, I, I've taken a gap year um, because, well, I just wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And I thought that I'm a bit like you. I just love creating stuff. I love being able to take an idea that's in my brain, put it into something and then somebody else be able to consume that. I just think it's incredible. And then I just, uh, whilst I was listening to that, I think that you're like half convinced f- that you shouldn't be going to college. But then half of you's like, maybe I should. So do you mind kind of diving into that a little bit and 
explaining your thought process? Yeah, I think I've been stuck in limbo recently about like, is this really worth it? Um, but when I think back to the past six months, while I do have goals that I, I've set, I think I could have been doing more. I think that I was I was stuck in this spot where I, I was indecisive. I was still thinking like, should I drop out? Should I stay in? At the end of the day, I wasn't getting anything done. I was getting stuff done, but but not enough. So I thought, um, let me take three classes. I'm not, I don't have like a huge workload right now. Um, I want to ease back into, into school and see if I can reignite that, that passion that I had. And I, I think it had to do a lot with my first year as well, where it's a lot of introductory courses. Um, it wasn't something that was really sticking with me, but um, with these new courses that I'm taking it, um, while I don't enjoy all, all of it, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning about how to run a business and, and how I, I need to prepare myself for when quality grows 10 times the size. Um, and it's just all part of the process. So I'm not, I'm still not fully convinced that a degree is, is what I need, but I think that taking some of these courses, it's definitely putting me in the right direction. Um, I'll see how it goes. I'll take it step by step. And yeah. I, I've realized that maybe I'm just fucking dumb right now. Maybe I don't, um, maybe I'm not as smart as I, th I think I am. And I don't in like 30 years, I'll think like, Oh yeah, I'm really happy. I got my degree. So I, I'm trusting a lot of my elders, all my, my older family, my, my grandparents, my parents, they all say, stay in college, finish that degree. And while I'm telling myself like, Oh, I don't need it. I could do it myself. They probably know more than me. <laughs> They're wiser. They've been on this earth longer than I have. But they don't know. But they don't know the industry that you're trying to go into. That's that's the problem. Like a lot of my family. Well, I'd say the majority of my family are okay with me taking a gap year as long as it's a gap year. As long as it's like I get back to university and I study something and I get the degree. So like they're kind of like <laughs> supportive of it as long as it's not me fully dropping out. Now I don't th I don't know whether I am going to fully drop out. I don't think I'll go back to the same university and do the same course at least. But the problem is that they don't understand what I'm trying to go into. They don't understand YouTube. They don't understand animation. They don't understand any of the things that I'm trying to go down. And so is it really right to, to take their advice when they have, of course, they have more life experience than me. Of course, they kind of know more than me because they've been through more, but they don't know, they don't have more experience in the things that I want to go into. And for me, that's what matters the most. So it sounds like you want to drop out too at the same time. Well, yeah, yes, I know. We're, we're, we're in a similar boat, I think. Um, maybe we're just indecisive. I, I, was talk, I, I was talking to my mom about this and I said, I think I'm afraid of commitment. I think as opposed to me being indecisive and like not knowing which one to go with, it's more, I don't want to think to myself that this is what I'm going with and that's that's it kind of. Like the idea of, the idea of finding a niche on YouTube or the idea of finding a style to kind of animate in or the idea of committing to a relationship, they all not scare me, but they, the big hurdles that I feel like I need to get over. And I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm put into this box where I'm like, oh, now I'm committed to this and that's it. Cause yeah. I feel like once I, once I go one way or the other, I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm down that road now. And being in this kind of zone where you're like, yeah, it's just a bit more comfortable, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that completely. I was too comfortable in the last six months. 
And that's because I just wasn't making a decision. I, I guess, I guess I've come to the realization that you can have more than one goal. You know, I can still achieve my dreams of being a big clothing designer and growing quality to where I want it to be and acting in films and also get a degree. Um, I, I, I was thinking of it too much as like, it's one or the other, but I think that I'm able to do both. Hmm. But yeah, with commitment, I, I felt the same way. I was too scared to commit to dropping out. I was too scared to commit to going back to school completely. But I had to make a choice at some point. But I hope you don't mind me saying, but even now you said that you didn't take on like too many classes. And even now it's like the commitment, it seems, is still like half a commitment. Mm-hmm. But it's it's half a commitment, but I'm I'm learning and I'm getting something out of it. And being on campus too, I'm I'm around my friends, I'm around people that I can learn from. The mm-hmm. connections are really valuable. So maybe I'm not still fully committed, but it's it's helping me with everything else. Hmm. And I I think I felt that when my heart wasn't in what I was trying to study, so I was trying to study biology. Um mm-hmm. when my heart wasn't in it and I didn't have that passion and that fire, like I felt like everything else was fine. I had a, you know, met a few people, had to, had some nice friends. I was going to the gym. I was eating healthily. Everything else in my life was fine. But that one thing that I'm there for, that degree, that wasn't the thing that I had my eyes on. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, I didn't feel like I, the main reason that I was there, I didn't feel like it was good enough for me. And so then I was like, well, if everything else is fine, but this thing that everybody talks about this degree, this piece of paper that I'm meant to be here for, if I've not got my eyes on that, then why bother at the moment? I get what you mean. Um, I guess you got to think of other things too, because it's, it's not just the degree. It's the, it's the whole experience. But it's like, it's like when you're in, when you're in secondary school or high school, whatever they call it over there, the main reason you go there is to get the grades, right? You grow socially as a person, you know, you, 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 you learn to learn, but the main reason that you go is to get the grades. And it's, it's the same throughout college or university. I think the main reason has to be solid in my opinion. Like that's why people, that's why I don't have a problem with people going to do medicine or dentistry or become lawyers because they, they go there and they're committed to that one thing. And then they're learning to do that and then they go do that. But from what it seems like people like you and me, we're just kind of doing it for the, for the sake of doing it almost. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. No, yeah, I, I understand you, but. Sorry, uh, I'm probably putting more doubt into your mind now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm going with my gut. My gut yeah. tells me, hey, get the degree, but That's still good. work on everything else that you want to do. Yeah. And you'll probably, you'll probably learn good balancing skills there where you'll be able to get the right balance between multiple things at once. Cause yeah, it makes me feel like an adult. So when I was at home, I felt more like a kid. I didn't feel good. My, like my mom was making me dinner every day. <laughs> but now like I'm here, I have shit to do. I have to wake up early. I have no choice. I have to cook my own food. So it, it also gives me the opportunity to fully be an adult, hmm. which I appreciate. The independence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with your brother. Um, mm-hmm. You've mentioned before that it's cool having uh, 
an internet famous kind of brother because you instantly have something to relate to people with. Do you still do you still feel that way? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, it's a bit odd at some points. Um, just like, for example, if I talk about something with my brother, I might hear it in the podcast the next day. And I'll be like, whoa, okay, tens of thousands of people know about this thing that was like this small idea in my head now. Um, and I guess I just don't think like a big YouTuber, which I, I'm not supposed to, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I think it's cool. Like, for example, you reaching out to me, I, I love that. I love people reaching out saying that they listened to, to what I had to say. I'm not used to um, having so many people listen to what I have to say. And um, it, it gave me a bit more validation uh, with w what I thought. I thought I was kind of stupid before. And having some people say like, oh, this guy actually has something to say, gave me a bit more confidence with um, just talking. Um, and, and yeah, it, it helped that he he blew up on YouTube because once he blew up, it gave me this this thought that like, okay, I got to get my shit together. <laughs> I got to sort my shit out. I can't, I can't be lazy. I have to be somebody. Um, is, is there a bit of he healthy competition there, do you think? With everything, really. Like, if we're playing ping pong, if we're playing chess, it's it's live or die. You got to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoy that competition with everything. It's, it's healthy, um, but it keeps you on your toes. See, I have an older sister, and we're a little bit like that. But part of me wishes I had an older or a younger brother, because that type of bond that I see in you guys or I see in... Um, other other members of my family it's just priceless it just seems like uh it just seems awesome <laughs> that's awesome. the only way i can put it that's yeah it, it. yeah we grew up together doing everything um so it's cool having a best friend that you can see grow up yeah one one thing i saw i think it was on tiktok was as you get older you start to uh see your siblings more like as your friends as opposed to just people you're related to and i found that really interesting because like my younger sister who's only i think she's 14 14 she's gonna kill me for getting her age wrong but still um i started to get on with her more like as a friend now and it's just such a strange thing to see this person who you're like oh they're my sister that's why we kind of talk to each other we're just related to now where you can kind of have that relationship that isn't just because you're blood related if you get what i mean i i think it's cool that as you get older you see them in a different light yeah yeah i agree with that um it's cool <laughs> um that. yeah do you think that the I don't know if fame's the right word, but do you think the attention that your brother's got, do you think it's affected your relationship with him in any way? Um, no, not really. Still the same people. I don't think that I would act any differently if he didn't have popularity on the internet. Hmm. It's, it's difficult. I, I, I bring this up in most of my podcasts, but it's so difficult for me to like con conceptualize the idea of thousands of people instantly watching something that you just put out there having all them eyes on you having all them people under your influence like yeah it, it can get to you it's 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 not completely healthy um so maybe our relationship hasn't been affected but from my personal experience um i'll read every single comment 
of a video that I'm in. I can't help it. Um, and there'll be a lot of positive comments and those kind of go over my head. But the second that I read a negative comment, it sticks in my head like a motherfucker. I can't get it out. Um, maybe it's self-esteem issues, but yeah, negative comments really get to me and I wish it didn't. Everybody says that though. It's not, it's not just you. Like every time I get a compliment or somebody says, Oh, you did a really good job on this interview or, you know, that video is really cool. Like I'm like, I just brush it off as if it's nothing. Thanks. Yeah. And then as soon as there's that one that is even just like slightly critical or like kind of half negative, it just gets to me. It just gets to me. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Maybe it's with time. Like I know my brother, he doesn't give a shit about those negative comments anymore. Maybe he's just seen so many of them. It just doesn't affect him. Mm. I feel like too many people that there's a lot of people on YouTube who just say that they don't read the comments, that they, they avoid it because, because of this negativity or because of the criticism, because of all the instant feedback that they get positive or negative. But I don't know. I don't know what the right way to go is. Cause if you, if you don't read any comments, then which is what like um, Casey Neistat, one of the biggest YouTubers on the platform, that's what he that's what he does. He just doesn't doesn't pay attention to any of the comments on his videos. You, yeah, I think you that's kind of you can, it's not worth the time. No, but you you lose touch with your audience. Then is that your audience? Because you have to think about the people that leave comments. It's it's not the average viewer, in my opinion. I think that people that are leaving negative YouTube comments, what are they doing with their life? I haven't left a YouTube comment. I don't know how long. Um, it's, yeah, I don't think that the um, consistent commenters represent an audience as well. A lot of the, your, your core audience, they stay silent. They might like a video, but you don't really hear their opinion all the time. Mm. Yeah. My opinion is, is stay away. I don't do it myself. I want to get to that point, but I don't think comments help at all. Mm. I got a really strange comment the other day. Um, I, I released a podcast and yeah, after like a couple of hours, it had like 30 views, nothing much. Um, and it was with a guy who had like a million on TikTok. He has 40K on Instagram, 20K on Twitter. And it had like 30 views. And I got, got a really strange comment. They just said, you're doing so many collabs, but you have in capitals, literally nobody watching you. If that was me, I would internalize it and think there's something wrong with me. And I was just like, how am I, how am I supposed to respond to that? How am I supposed to take that? It's better not to read it. That's, that's my take. Yeah. I, what, what is he doing? What is he trying to get out from commenting that? I that's don't think thing. he has things going well in his life. If he's, if he's putting that energy out in the world, it's not someone I want to talk to someone I want to interact with. But then why do it? <laughs> what does he gain? What does he gain from that? Man? It's because it's because he's sad, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but yeah, try not to let it get to your head. I mean, I'll that's that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, I'll try not to. Yeah. Um, before we wrap it up, do you mind just doing some quick fire questions? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, first of all, do you have any advice for your younger self? Don't smoke weed as much. <laughs> yeah. Did you used to smoke a lot? too much yeah i have a weird relationship with weed it's not like i even necessarily enjoy it but if i have it i'm smoking every day if i don't have it i'm completely fine staying away from it um but i think i think that if it's around me i can get addicted pretty easily 
Hmm. And it's it, at the end of the day, it's a waste of time. It can help with creativity. So I think it's good in moderation, maybe like once every month. But if you're doing it daily, there's no benefit to it. Hmm. How much of the success that you've had with quality, um, getting into college and everything else, and, and with your, you know, working on your fitness, how much of that uh, is down to your hard work? And how much of that is down to chance? You ever listen to how I built this? <laughs> yep. I yeah. stole it. I stole great, it. Great show. I love that show. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of luck. I was born in, in the United States of America in 2000. No better time, really. Um, I had a brother that blew up on the internet, and I was able to get attention to where I needed it to go. It's a lot of luck. I won't lie. Um, but I capitalized on that. I, I worked hard throughout my whole life, and I've had that dedication since day one. So it's a mix of both. Hmm. What, if you had to put a number on it, what would it be? 50-50. 50-50. So many people say that. So many people say 50-50. <laughs> Um, do you have any regrets? Yeah, yeah, and that's what scares me a lot. Um, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. I wanted to play for Chelsea FC. That was my dream. I feel it now. I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old. That dream has passed. It's sailed, and it's what made me feel old. I feel like an old fucker just because of that. Um, and and that's kind of why I went back to like what dreams did I want to achieve when I'm eight years old. Because if I want to get anywhere close to that, I need to start now. There's no time to waste. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my regret, but it helped me put things into perspective about what I want to achieve now. Mm -hmm. Didn't you mention in one video, sorry, uh, did you mention that you were thinking of getting a tattoo for, with saying no regrets spelt wrong? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought about that. I don't like living with regrets. Um, too many times I was just scared to do things when I was younger, and I regret it now. I hate that feeling where you're just in bed and you're like thinking like, oh shit, I could have done that. No, um, I don't think I'll get the. If you want to be a bodybuilder, it's better not to have tattoos. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if I were to get a tattoo, I, I would, I would get that. No regrets spelled wrong. Right across the chest. Oh God. Oh God. That'd ruin your Arnold physique. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and the final question is if you had one message to everyone in the world and they can understand what language you're speaking, um, what would that message be? What was your biggest dream when you were eight years old? And are you trying to achieve that dream right now? Awesome. Well, awesome. Uh, yeah. You One question for you. What did you want to achieve when you were eight years old? What was your biggest dream? When I was eight years old? Ooh. You really got me on that one, bro. When I was eight years old, I'm really, I'm really not sure what I was doing at eight years old. I don't think I was a sentient creature when I was eight years old, bro. I honestly can't remember. I'll think, I'll think about that. I'll have a good think and I'll um, jog the memory a little bit and I'll get back to you on that one. I'll, uh, I'll have a look. But um, thank you very much for coming on this episode of the podcast. If people want to find your stuff, check you out. Where can they go? You can go follow Quality Clothing. It's quality.clothing, but it's spelled with a D-O-T because the other one was taken. So we're stuck with that for now. But you can check out what we're doing there on Instagram. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on this episode, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Bit Between. Check out Vincent and Quality.clothing because they are 
pretty sick follow me at the sap dog on instagram at the sap dog is my handle i don't know why i am rapping cause i'm not a bloody rapper thank you very much for staying till the end of the bit between you're the one in 100 person who sticks here till the end you were real one i really appreciate you and this is what you get you get to listen to the sickest freestyle here right here i don't know what else to say apart from thank you to you and i don't know what the hell just happened thank you very much for listening to the bit between this beat was made by shoddy the beam shout out my man shoddy he makes the sickest beats in the scene okay this is getting a bit too long now don't need to say anything else there definitely not an innuendo okay this is the end now you should probably click off the video now i don't know why you're still here now might as well press subscribe now if you aren't already Sabdog on youtube Sabdog on Instagram, Sabdog on TikTok, and every other social media platform. The Bit Between is also on everywhere where you can find your podcasts. Okay, I seriously mean that you should probably leave now. And I can't even sing, so why I'm still doing this, I don't know, but thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, guys, for checking out this episode. Um... I don't know what the hell you just witnessed or listened to, but um, these things happen, you know, these things happen. So thank you very much for listening again. Really appreciate the support on the journey. Go check out Vincent and quality.clothing. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode.